0: Good morning, my name is Kavita Shah. I'm a partner in the London Asset Finance Group at Watson, Farley & Williams. My area of expertise is in the maritime sector. Today I'm going to look at maritime portfolio sales with a particular focus on distressed debt. Distressed debt in our experience tends to pose more challenges and is more interesting a topic. As a firm, we've been involved in a vast number of portfolio sale transactions, including some of the biggest in the market. And as a result, we've seen this topic from a number of angles, in particular from the seller's side, from the buyer's side, and even occasionally from the borrower's side with a view to challenging a transfer. The structure of my talk today is as follows, so I'm going to start by briefly looking at some of the factors affecting a seller's decision to sell, a buyer's motivation in buying. Um, I feel that understanding these motivations can be useful in negotiation, then I'll go on and look at some of the key issues which come up in due diligence, in particular structural issues, regulatory obstacles and legal risks. I'll then go on and consider certain factors which may influence the pricing of such debt, and I'll briefly look at key negotiation issues before finishing with some concluding comments. Can you flip this? Thank you. So starting with factors which may influence a seller's decision to sell. We've heard from the previous panel that there's an increasing, increasing regulatory pressure on banks. That may be something that drives a seller's decision to sell. Increasing capital costs, particularly when it comes to distressed debt and provisions needing to be made. It may be that a bank is making a strategic decision to exit shipping altogether. We've seen quite a lot of this in recent years. It may be that a bank is looking to deleverage a particular client particular sector or particular country risk, or there may be changing criteria within a bank. Again, this this may be driven by regulatory pressures. Banks, we've seen quite a lot of consolidation within banks, and banks may have inherited loans or portfolio of loans through mergers, um, and, and that may drive decisions to sell. There may be a breakdown of a client relationship, and to to such an extent that it's beyond repair, which means that the restructuring requires so much resource to be allocated to it it that the loan becomes economically unviable to hold on your books. From a bank's perspective, it may be that it's time to cut their losses and they don't see any early recovery in a particular shipping sector. Then turning to a buyer's motivations to buy a loan, It may be an opportunity to add some new names to their books. It may be to expand an existing relationship. It may be that they're motivated by refinancing a loan where a loss has been written off. So a a non-performing loan then becomes a performing loan again. Distressed debt is obviously likely to sell at a discount. So there are obvious economic benefits there. In, in recent years, we've certainly seen a lot of private equity and hedge funds be very active in the secondary debt purchase space. And a few observations that I thought were worth sharing you from that, with you from that perspective. Hedge funds seem to have a very different attitude to traditional bank lenders in that they are not afraid to own assets. Obviously, there are various considerations that need to t- to be taken into account when owning ships, um, and you'd expect them to take advice on that. But relationship with the owners is not always the key factor. They'll be looking to make a targeted return. They'll, they may, as part of their DD, be quite focused on looking at an exit strategy. And obviously, their, their regulatory environment is very different to banks in that they don't have any capital requirements that apply. Moving on to look at some of the structural issues, regulatory obstacles and legal risks, it's worth considering early on if there are any regulatory issues or a need for a banking licence. For example, with a German borrower, you may need to obtain a licence from BaFin to lend, and and that can be quite time-consuming and impact the timing of a transaction. As a buyer, you'll be looking as part of your due diligence to see whether you meet the transferee criteria within the documentation, and within different sets of documentation in a portfolio, we see all sorts of formulations as to the transfer provisions and who a seller can and can't transfer to. Typically, in our experience, it's quite a sensitive point for borrowers, and I think this goes back to a point that Michael was making on the panel earlier. Borrowers do care about who their lenders are, and and that can be um, a sensitive area for them. And so, typically, where we've seen issues come up, you know, there may be common languages to see references to a transfer only being allowed to a bank or financial institution. And ascertaining whether you are a financial institution when you're not a traditional bank may require some careful analysis. There's a significant body of case law around this subject and it's something that you would probably, as a buyer, want to take advice on. The next subject I wanted to look at was confidentiality provisions um, and general banking secrecy laws which may apply to a seller in a particular jurisdiction. There may be data protection laws, which mean that, you, you, as a seller, you will need to obviously share certain information with a potential buyer, and there may be restrictions in doing so as a result of the provisions within the documentation or which apply to you as a matter of law. For example, in Greece, the banking secrecy laws, a breach of that is a criminal offence, and it would mean that if you were to breach it, you could end up going to prison. Um, I have a a funny example of a time when, when a lawyer was asked as part of a due diligence exercise to identify which parts of a loan agreement could be shared without breaching banking secrecy laws. And understandably, he took a very cautious approach. And let's just say there was very little that was worth sharing. You'll want to consider jurisdictional issues which relate to security, and in particular with shipping, obviously, the, the flag state of the, the mortgage is quite an important factor and, and that may impact the way a transfer, uh, form of transfer document is structured. Typically with Commonwealth jurisdictions you'll have a statutory form of mortgage and that's very easy to transfer but there are certain jurisdictions, typically civil law jurisdictions such as France, Greece, where you may need Borrower cooperation and you may also need lender cooperation. So, again, that can be a practical difficulty, particularly in the context of distressed debt. Sometimes, if there are second mortgages on a ship, then again, you may need, as a first mortgagee, the consent of the second mortgagee or vice versa. It's very unlikely that in a portfolio of loans, all of the loans will be identical. There's likely to be a mix of governing laws. There'll be different languages, possibly, different forms, different structure of documentation, and there'll also be a mix of performing and non-performing loans. This means that the due diligence is much more complex and it becomes a much bigger project to manage and coordinate. It's more time-consuming and probably more costly. Typically, um, other governing laws besides English law, obviously it varies on who the selling bank is, but you typically see New York law, German, Dutch, Norwegian law. In this situation, you're probably more likely to go with a sale and purchase agreement as the form of transfer document, rather than the LMA form of trade confirmation together with a transfer certificate. And the reason for that is that you may have different stages as part of the the closing, um, and you may even um, have multiple stages for the transfers. So you may begin to to transfer loans through a sub-participation due to timing reasons, and then you may elevate those loans to full legal transfer down the line once all the um, conditions have been met. The majority of loans since 2007 onwards have have been set up as syndicated facilities, even where there's one lender. But typically in a true syndicated facility, you'll need to consider the ranking of different types of creditors. And as a buyer, you'll obviously want to know whether you have a majority lender control, particularly if um, enforcement is part of the strategy that you're, you're looking at when buying a loan. It's also not unheard of for a loan to require all lender consent for acceleration or even waivers. Um, Typically, the club, smaller club deals where there may be two or three lenders and where lenders wanted to keep parity, um, there there, there was a tendency to have an all lender decision in those situations. In the context of distressed debt, if borrower consent is required, that could obviously throw an obstacle um, to the proceedings. If borrower consent is not going to be forthcoming, then as a buyer and as a seller, you'd have to ask yourselves the question whether you're prepared to live with sub-participation. So in other words, you you have the same economic effect as if you were the legal owner. The alternative otherwise may be that if timing, if getting consent is just a matter of timing, then again, you can do it in two stages. You can sub-participate and then elevate to full legal transfer later on. One point I just wanted to flag up in the context of the LMA secondary debt purchase documentation in this context is just that the LMA position is that once a trade is done, the trade must be completed. And so if full legal transfer cannot happen because of missing consents or conditions, then the fallback position would be to move to sub-participation. So if, if that's not the intention, then that expressly needs to be set out within the documentation. There may be other roles moving. So if a selling bank is exiting shipping altogether, then they're unlikely to want to keep a swap position, continue to be agent, security trustee, or account bank, And if the security trustee role is moving, then I think it's very important to note that that could completely transform the timing. If the seller is exiting shipping, then it's likely that it's going to want the buyer to take on all these roles and the buyer may not be able to take on all these roles. So something to be mindful of that you may need to account for different stages for these things to happen and to be liaising with other third parties to bring them in. Where accounts are moving, it's likely that new security is going to be taken over those accounts. And obviously, in the context of distressed debt, as a buyer, you'll want to consider whether that security may be set aside in an insolvency. It's going to likely be subject to new hardening periods, so you'll want to know what those periods are. And then from a practical perspective, opening new accounts will need the borrower to cooperate because KYC will need to be completed, and maybe also in moving credit balances. You'd want to consider interaction with other third parties. So in a typical ship finance transaction, there's likely to be interface with other um, entities such as the manager, the insurers, the charterers. And, And that's really from a security perspective and any perfection requirements that may need to take place. A couple of points I just wanted to note to be aware of. Um, Documents must be quite carefully structured, particularly in the context of an undrawn term facility where an obligation to lend will still arise, and as a lender you'll want to make sure that those obligations or or those advances are secured. The same would apply with revolving credit facilities, and I've put bilateral facilities up there because... Obviously, with a bilateral facility, the security is not held through a security trustee, and so the entire security package will need to be transferred across or possibly retaken depending on the documentation. And then I I mentioned swaps up there. Um, Historically, in, in documentation where the lender and the swap bank were the same entity, there they would tend to be a light touch to intercreditor provisions. And you may find a situation where you've, you're selling on the role of lender, but the swap bank role stays with the seller. And it, I mean, it's really more an issue for the seller, but it may leave them in a position where they have no voting rights and they have no right to terminate the swap. Moving on, then, to look at factors influencing the pricing of such debt. Obviously, the complexity of the transaction will will impact the price. It may make due diligence more complicated, and there may be certain risks which may be quite difficult to price for. If the return is impacted by timing, then just be mindful of unforeseen issues that could arise at the last minute. Things that we've come across that in previous transactions missing documentation, which may sound, may sound very minor, but if they're important documents like mortgages or ancillary share documents, they can be quite key to, to make sure that they are found. There may be sanctions breaches which are historic, which have, ha- which have happened and which could cause issues for an incoming lender. Sometimes second mortgages appear on ships, which the selling lender had forgotten existed and you know there may have been a, an arrangement or a consent put in place a long time ago which hasn't been disclosed in the data room. And then we've seen a number of situations where both the seller and the buyer are ready to complete the transaction but the agent being a different entity has to complete its KYC and, and that can cause unforeseen delays. As a seller, you may wish to carry out full due diligence on the loan portfolio before selling the assets just to identify any issues that may arise and also to be able to judge the price accordingly. Any last-minute surprises are likely to result in in a discount, and so obviously that's going to impact the economics of the deal. As a buyer of distressed debt, one focus may be the cost of the exit strategy, so looking at what the enforcement costs are, how, how, many, how much trade debt there is, are there any maritime liens that could prime the mortgage, uh, where have the vessels been trading to, are there any breaches that are, sanctions breaches that are knocking around, um, and then obviously there's always the risk of the borrower seeking insolvency protection in a particular jurisdiction. And I've I've flagged up there Chapter 11, German, Italian. Obviously, the value of the actual assets that are being financed are going to be taken into account. Are those assets idle? Are there reactivation costs that need to be taken into consideration? And then the final point up there is tax issues. These are tax issues that arise as a result of the sale in either jurisdiction, seller's jurisdiction, buyer's jurisdiction. Um, And those may be stamp taxes, VAT we've seen come up as as an issue previously. It's worth working out who bears those risks because obviously that could impact the economics of the deal hugely. Just looking briefly at some negotiation issues... So form of documentation is something that sort of gets discussed fairly early on. What form of document are you going to use? Um, it's typically either an LMA trade confirmation and transfer certificate, where it's a very straightforward transfer or bunch of transfers, um, or alternatively a sale and purchase agreement or some sort of bespoke agreement, and a, an SBA is particularly useful where loans will transfer at different times or in multiple stages, as I've mentioned before. It's very useful where it prescribes uh, the back of an SBA. Typically, you'll have what, what are called the transfer procedures, and that would set out in a lot of detail the steps involved in closing, particularly where you have a lot of security in a number of jurisdictions. That can be quite helpful. The reps and warranties in whichever documentation you use are likely to be quite heavily negotiated, particularly in the context of distressed debt, and where there may be, isu- um, there may be defaults in, in the underlying loans. From a bias perspective, you'll obviously want to know what the position on any defaults are. Have, have the lenders reserved their rights? Could the borrower argue that any rights have been waived through inaction? And if notices have been served, we'd want to check that they've been properly served. The number of times we've seen defective loan-to-value notices or other default notices because, for example, the valuations are out of time or the the right number of valuations haven't been taken or the right brokers haven't been used. Then just a, a few concluding comments. So the landscape in ship lending has changed and continues to change. We've seen a lot of traditional lenders exiting, deleveraging, and scaling back. And this creates many opportunities for new entrants or existing players. There seems to be a difference in approach and motivation between the original lenders who are selling loans and buyers of debt coming in. And in our experience recently, given the activity in this space, there obviously seems to be agreement being reached on the pricing of such debt. Sanctions is something to be very cautious of. Um, typically, old-style documentation will just refer to compliance with laws generally. And in our experience, this doesn't really cut it for most lenders these days, particularly whether there is a U.S. base or a U.S. influence. And then curveballs come with a cost. So there may, it may cause delays. You may spend a lot of resource tackling certain issues that arise. And... As a seller, I mean, this is a point I made earlier, but as a seller, it may be in the long run more worthwhile you carrying out your own due diligence so that you are aware of what these curveballs will be and you can already plan ahead for them. It, I think as a seller, it's, it's difficult, it's counterintuitive to spend money on assets that you're actually selling, but in the long run, it may, it may be worth it. Um, it depends what your drivers are to sell. And that's it. So if anyone has any questions, please let me know.